Well, good morning. My name is Jason Beaver. I'm our student pastor here uh, at MCC. Uh, this morning, as Adam said, we're going to, to wrestle with that question in, in a minute of does church attendance matter and how does that play um, into my role and my uh, relationship with God. And so we're going to be looking at that uh, this morning. But before we dive into that, I um, wanted to let you know a few things. One, uh, Mike was supposed to be here this morning, but he had to have uh, surgery uh, this past week. He has a detached retina. Uh, and so he had to go in on Thursday afternoon, have that operation, and now he gets to lay flat on his face for a week. Uh, so, so that's the recovery process from that. So he can't be sitting upright looking at things. And so uh, he doesn't have his phone. And Well, he is texting people through Siri, like, hey, Siri, he just did that to me this morning. But So he's, he's learning new things in his boredom. Uh, but be praying for him and his recovery. He goes back on Friday. Uh, to see kind of <clears throat> where the next steps are in his recovery. Be praying for Sandy and just sanity with that because um, it's, <laughs> it's good to be tested. Um, uh, two weeks ago, we started this series, Your Part Matters. And, and really the heart of this series is to see that in our relationship with God, uh, we have a part to play. Um, God does a lot of the work. Don't misunderstand that. But we have a significant role as well in building that relationship with him, figuring out who he is, who he's called us to, um, how he wants us to, to see ourselves and to see the world around us. And so two weeks ago, Adam started this series, and um, he shared with us the, the first like, big idea um, is that in order to understand what God has for us and the life that he's called us to, we have to, to dive into his word. Uh, to, to read it on a consistent basis, to reflect on it, to see how it can impact our lives, to see who God is and what he's calling us to, how we're told to treat those around us. Uh, and we get that through God's word. He shared with us uh, the letter that Paul wrote Timothy from prison. Um, while he was in prison, he wrote these words in 2 Timothy three fourteen and 16. He says, but as you... Uh, continue in what you have learned and, and firm, firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from an infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, that all scriptures is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, or training in righteousness. That's still why in prison Paul is encouraging Timothy to hold to these words, that these words are the foundation that guide our life. That as choosing to follow him, that may not go the way we think it should go, uh, but it can be trusted. Um, that God's word gives us the foundation on understanding who God is and longs to be in our lives. That God's word gives us the basis for our decision making and how we're called to treat those around us. That it gives us hope, joy, instruction, and confirmation. Last night, I was laying with Weston as he was going to bed. Um, and as I said a few weeks ago, we have serious talk at that time. And he wanted to continue to talk about, uh, you know, Jesus and the Bible. And so this morning he had a, a class, uh, take the plunge class with Miss Michelle, understanding about baptism. And I asked him last night, I said, hey, you're going to this class. Um, are you going to ask any questions while you're there? Uh, Weston, if you don't know him, at times if you see him from afar, he looks like a terror because he's just running around being all crazy. But he also is very shy. And so I knew he probably wasn't going to ask any questions, but I wanted to see if he was. And so last night he said, well, there's, if I don't have any questions to ask, I'm not going to ask any questions. I said, yeah, that makes sense. 
But I was like, you have questions. We, we've talked about these questions. Um, so I know you have some questions. And he got silent for a moment. And then he said, well, how, how do I know who God is? And, then, and so, wanting to try to teach him and not give him an answer right away, I said, well, how do you know how to do math? Uh, he loves math um, as a first grader. He, he like, eats it up. Uh, he's learning how to read still, like, and understanding how to, to know the alphabet and put words together and to sound them out. And I said, so how do you do, how do, you do math? How do you learn how to read? And then I asked him again, then, well, how do you know who God is? And he said, well, by reading the Bible. <laughs> I said, exactly. That's t- coming to this word and understanding it, who he is, what he's called to do, who he came to be, how he sent his son to die a death for us so that we could have relationship with him, that all comes from these words that we find as the basis of our truth and the foundation of who we are. Um, and that can then continue to spur us on and grow in our relationship with him. And so then last week, Adam, or not Adam, Rich, uh, they're very confusable at times. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But last week, Rich shared with us this idea uh, that we're called to serve inside and outside the church, that the gifts and the talents and the resources that we have, that we go and we meet those needs, Sometimes it's a physical need, an emotional need, whatever it may be, that if we have the resource and the opportunity that we then step up uh, and get in the game uh, and, and participate in what's going on around us. And at times, we do that, um, and we just meet the, that physical, tangible need, that we don't bring along the aspect and the reminder that we're doing it in the name of Jesus, that both are equally important. One, of course, is actually probably more important. That in everything that we do, we're doing it because of who Jesus has called us to be. And so when we're serving in the church and or through the church and outside the church, we're doing it in the name of Jesus to bring his name glory, to bring honor and fame to him, and to make him known. And we do that sometimes by just offering up a, a lunch, a ride, or a towel. And so I encourage you, if you've missed one of the last two weeks, uh, to go back to our website and to check out those messages. Because in our relationship with God, uh, we have a part to play. That's why this series is called Your Part Matters. A few years ago, uh, an author um, wrote this statement, and it's one that, um, that has been attributed to other people, uh, but I heard it through him in one of his books. It's Mark Batterson, it says this, Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Then every situation and everything that you do, you pray like it depends on God. That God is is the creator, sustainer of everything as he is. And so we pray that he does his work. That only the work that he can do. um, But also yet, we have to put in the work as well. It requires in every relationship, uh, two people working together to accomplish something. So we say a lot around here um, that we are better together than we are apart. And I believe that statement to be true, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Nowhere in Scripture do we see this idea that following Jesus, pursuing him, being a part of his church is supposed to be done in isolation. That everything is built off a community from when God existed in creation as the Trinity uh, to, to coming down, living amongst us, dwelling amongst his people, and, the, and through his son, Emmanuel, giving us the Holy Spirit 
um, that we all continue to live and exist in community with him and one another. And so as he mentioned, we're going to wrestle with this question that can be uh, a question we don't like to hear, we don't like to think of, that we could say is just, we shouldn't ask it at all. And the question is, can you follow Jesus without going to church every week? Because I'm going to hopefully present this tension this morning uh, to where there's a difference between attendance and being engaged. So church attendance um, does not automatically equal engagement. So uh, if you want to write something down this morning, I know your notes are blank. I'm sorry about that. Uh, But this is the one thing that you can write down. Attendance does not equal engagement. Uh, And we're going to look at that idea and wrestle with it. As a pastor, um, at times when I'm introduced to people or I start the conversation up and it comes out that I'm a pastor, a lot of times one of the first things that's mentioned somewhere in that conversation is someone says, I go to church. Um, and we, we use that statement a lot, I go to church. We use it as an identifier of maybe some of our beliefs or what we're about, uh, what we do or don't do. And so that statement in and of itself is not necessarily bad. Uh, But it can lead to a misconception that going to church automatically equals spiritual growth. Because it's not just that simple of a math problem. Uh, And so, LifeWay president and CEO Tom Rayner notes that attendance patterns have significantly changed over the past several decades. About 20 years ago, a church member uh, was considered active in the church if he or she attended three times a week. So... The past few decades, you'd have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night programming, uh, you know, church-wide, everything. You're there three times a week. Now, he says, today, a church member is considered active in the church if he or she attends three times a month. And in many places, it's even lower than that. Carrie Newhoff, a a leader who does a lot of leadership podcasts, uh, has a church in in Canada. He's seen and has stated that statistics show that an active member of a church is 1.4 times a month. Um, And so, again, I want to ask this question. Can you follow Jesus by not going to church uh, every week? And these people, they're not fringe people who are attending that infrequently, and they're not folks who have quit going to church. It's just a pattern that we see in our culture today. And this means that most, the most committed Jesus followers make it to church three times a month. And so, some of you may be thinking, Jason, you just said attendance is not the thing we're looking at. And that's true, right? Attendance does not automatically make us grow spiritually in our uh, relationship with Jesus. But there is an importance to attending and being a part of something. So attendance um, can lead to engagement. And engagement then will lead to attendance, right? If you're engaged in something, you're more likely to attend it. If you're a huge fanatic of a fan, uh, you're going to be committed to to watching those sporting events and being a part of those activities. Um, And so our engagement in things directs our correlation and our behavior to what we put the value on, okay? And so the same is true, though, when it comes to our relationship with God, and how we view the church. That our attendance is and can be an indicator of where we're at 
in our relationship with him. And that engagement will then draw us back. If we have committed time here doing resources and things, giving of ourselves through serving and using our gifts in the church or outside the church, uh, we're engaged in that. And so it's going to rise up on that priority level in our lives. You see, there's a difference between attendance and engagement from going to church to being part of the local mission. In March, I went to Orlando to the Youth Pastor Summit. Uh, hundreds of uh, youth pastors from the, the country come together um, and it's put on by uh, LifeWay students and the uh, Student Leadership University. And um, while we were there, the first session, uh, Ben Trueblood, who's the president of LifeWay students, uh, gave up and gave a presentation uh, about the, the state we see ourselves in uh, with high school students who are leaving the church. So 10 years ago, there was a study done where statistics said that uh, once a student graduates from uh, high school, uh, 70% of them would stop going to church uh, during their college years, 18 to 23 years, uh, year old age stage. Um, and so he wanted to see how that has changed. And so he commissioned LifeWay Research to do the same type of research, follow the same parameters, uh, and he shared with us the results there. And so uh, today it stands at 66% of high school seniors once they graduate, uh, will stop attending church. And while looking at the resource, uh, the information, and, and reading up on a book that he wrote about it afterwards and following up, um, some of the things that stuck out to me uh, were this, that the number one overwhelming reason why uh, high school seniors uh, stopped attending church was because of life change or situations that they moved off to college, so they're no longer near the church. There was too far to drive. They didn't know where to go to church. Um, it was the number one reason why they stopped attending. The, numbers, the second reason was uh, their work responsibilities prevented them from attending. That they're beginning to get jobs, uh, help pay for college, do these types of things. Work got in the way. And the third um, was that uh, they became uh, just too busy. Uh, so there was other social activities, with schoolwork, all these things. We're contributing factors to that. And when I hear that and when I think about it, that's not just the case for high school seniors uh, who've moved off to college. That's the same thing for you and I. That at times and in seasons, our schedules can be very, very busy uh, to where other things are, are pulling out uh, and demanding more and more time. Uh, and at times, then... We, we push off the church um, thinking that that's the thing we can set aside. 71% of those students who left the church and stopped attending at that time said they never planned on, on that happening. It just gradually happened over time. And the same thing can be true for you and I, that gradually over time those things can begin to uh, get in the way, our busyness and our schedules from keep us from engaging in and attending church. Craig Rochelle says this, he says, God's highest calling for you as a follower of Christ was never go to church. Not to go to a building, God's highest calling isn't to, to go to a destination, but to be conformed uh, to the image of Christ, not to go to church, but to be planted in the church, to be the church, a light shining into a dark world. God's highest calling is never to go to a church, but to be planted in the house of God, sent out into the world. So maybe instead of going to church, it's time to instead be planted in the house of God. 
to, to dive in, to set some roots, to begin to be engaged and, and allow your gifts and your talents and your resources to be used to impact the church locally but globally as well. Uh, oftentimes we hear the church referred to as a family. And I don't know how that resonates with you, uh, but for me over my life and some of the, the experiences that I've had and tragedies that I've experienced, I've come to see the local church uh, in its finest, and in its not so finest, but to be a family, right? Um, to have those relationships, being connected uh, with individuals and students and parents um, who, who are there uh, when times are bad, when times are good, when things don't make sense, or when there's questions, or whatever it may be. I've seen that happen. Uh, in my family, my mom loves to still try to get us, and uh, so uh, her three kids, and our families together for family meals. Um, it can be hard at times to schedule those meals. We have three of us uh, who have uh, spouses and kids, other sporting events and things that are going on, schedules, jobs, job changes, you know, plus their schedule. Uh, so finding time can be difficult. Um, and so imagine with me, um, I, we, we scheduled a, di a dinner. I can't make it, so I skip it. I'm not automatically going to be, you know, discredited from the family or my uh, family status is not going to be challenged because I missed the dinner, because my attendance wasn't there, right? That'd be really harsh. But, um, but if I missed the dinner here and there, my roles and responsibilities as a family member were, were neglected, uh, expectations and things weren't followed up, I be, became kind of MIA, then it would be clear that m the way I value the family is, is not true, right? It's like I don't have any value there. And that can be the same uh, in the church, is that we all have aspects that we can contribute. You are s uniquely designed, and God has gifted you specifically to reach the people only you can reach, okay? We are called to be his disciples, to go to all nations, to teach and to baptize and to tell them uh, who, he, who God is and who he longs to be in your life. You work in places I can never go. You go to schools that I can't go to. You have friends and relationships and influences with people that other people don't have those influences with. That you can be that light in a dark world to them. Attending church doesn't make you a Christian anymore than wearing a flannel and a beard uh, makes you a lumberjack, okay? <laughs> right? We can attend things, and they cannot impact us all the time. Ask any high school student here in their algebra class that they attend it, but they don't know anything, right? Or whatever it may be. It's how it was for me, okay? Um, but, like, we can attend things over and over again, and it, can, it may not impact us at all. But once we begin to get engaged... Once we allow our attendance to, to move into engagement, then we see the spiritual formation begin to change. Then we see roots begin uh, to happen and to take place. Paul, in his, in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, he writes this in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 27, says this. For just as the body is one, as, as many parts, and all the parts of that body, though are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Instead, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. 
If the foot said, uh, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one uh, part of it in the body just as he wanted. And if there were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our respectable parts are treated with greater, or unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and and the individual members of it. And I'll often when we hear this passage, we think of this idea of acts of service and that we're using our gifts. And some of us, you know, we have, as Ephesians 4 says, the gift of teaching or encouragement. And so we're using our gifts uh, to continue to edify the body and to build up the church. And that's true. Uh, but I love what uh, Ben Trueblood says when he says, talks about this. He says, being part of the church is something special, unique, and beautiful. We often think of the body of Christ in terms of service, about how you, as the hand, are meant to act in service to the church and to help it accomplish its mission. I would agree, however, but he says, if, if we think in terms of the actual body, many things need to happen for the hand to actually reach out and act. Joints, ligaments, muscles, bones, or, or shoulders, arms, and nerves, and so on, all have to work together to move the hand. There's an entire support system in place that the hand can function and do what it is meant to do, and it cannot act on its own severed from the support system. That together, as the body of Christ, uh, we can do, and we'll hear this phrase a lot, uh, we can do more together than we can apart because we are better uh, together. We do have unique gifts that we can use in in the terms of service to one another, but we all can come into this place and be a sense of encouragement, of hope, of love, and forgiveness to each and every one in this room. That if we can't demonstrate how we love one another and forgive one another and show kindness in one another, to be encouraging to one another, to show mercy to one another in this place, how are we expected to go and do it outside of this place? That each week we have the opportunity to come in here uh, and to be refreshed, encouraged, uh, to be equipped to live out the life God has called us to live. <clears throat> the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ek means out. And klesia comes from the word kaleo, which means called. And so the church, it very literally means the called out ones. In other words, we gather together to be unified. We gather together to honor our God, and we gather together to corporately hear the word of God. We gather together to use our gifts, but as we are strengthened, it's not what happens inside this building, it's what uh, uh, happens in the world. The church does not exist for us. When we're followers of Christ, we realize that we are the church and we exist for the world. 
So there's a massive difference between going to a building and being engaged in a calling, a movement, and a mission. You see, as we begin to develop a kingdom mindset, abandoning consumer Christianity will only become easier. A kingdom-minded disciple will not look at the church as some local institution that exists to give them something. Instead, they'll see the local extension of their Savior, and they'll be excited to serve however they can. We, uh, as we develop this mindset, we will recognize the important role the church plays in our lives. The church is not another activity we attend for our own benefits. It is a group of people God calls us to minister to and invest in. Because to be engaged in something revolves relationship. To be engaged in, in a family revol- involves those relationships. To be engaged in, in a sporting team involves uh, being a part and committed to that team and those relationships. Being engaged in a church means coming and, and using your gifts and your talents on a consistent basis um, and sharing the responsibility with those around us, encouraging, equipping, and loving those around us. So this could mean being connected in a disciple relationship. And you heard Adam talk about the opportunities that are coming up from a small group or a spiritual growth class. When you're engaged in something, you make contribution towards it. Be using your gifts to, to serve in our children's ministry, our student ministry, to help clean the building, to, to serve communion, to greet at the doors, whatever it may be, uh, using your gifts to get some skin in the game as Rich talked about last week. It could mean giving of your finances, to give back to God what he has entrusted with you. Perhaps all else, engagement means you immerse yourself in the mission of the church while pursuing Jesus, who is the head of the church. Our mission here is simple, and it comes from straight from Matthew 28. Our mission is to help people begin and build a relationship with Jesus. And we do that by loving God, loving people, and living on mission. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. It says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. That the church is designed (laughs) to be a local community of believers who come together to be equipped, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to experience love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion so that we can go be that same hope to a lost and fallen world. Then Trueblood says this as well. He says that church is a strange place. When you think about it, the church isn't a place at all. When we truly understand God's intention for his people, we know the church is not a building with doors, walls, or stained glasses, or a gym with chairs brought in for a worship service. It's not found on a particular plot of land or the address that's printed on the billboard. The church is a collection of people who share a common belief in Jesus as the risen Savior. And some may take this foundational view and twist it to show that, say that being a part of the church locally isn't necessary because we're all believers as part of the church globally. However, Scripture says it is God's intention for his people to gather locally to worship, spur one another on in faith, provide for one another, live on mission together, all of which are part of what it means to experience biblical community. See, we can attend church every weekend, and we can just go to church and not allow it to affect our spiritual growth or our walk with him. Or we can be engaged in the church and be a part of something that will transform you from the inside out. 
So let's spend less time trying to check the box of attendance and more time taking steps forward as we engage with Jesus, his mission, and his church. One of our earliest examples of this in scripture is found in the book of Acts. When you have uh, the apostles and the disciples beginning to, to gather together on a consistent basis. And it says they would gather together and they would hear the apostles, uh, uh, apostles teaching and then they would break bread. Uh, they would take communion. Uh, each week here in this place, we have an opportunity to do that. Uh, we, we take the Lord's Supper where we take a cracker and we remember the bread that was broken or the body that was broken for us. And we take a cup of juice and remember the blood that was shed for us so that we could live in community with him. So that we could be a part of this thing called the church, both globally and locally. That we can use our gifts and talents and our resources uh, and be changed by him so that we then can go show other people what it looks like to experience a life with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to do that together. What I love about communion is that as we take it individually and we also take it collectively, corporately, um, there's just something about it. To understand that I'm not alone in my walk with him. To understand that there are people around me who have different backgrounds, different things going on in their lives, uh, who are struggling maybe even with the same thing that I'm struggling with, who are here on a consistent basis, engaging in what God is doing, living on mission, um, and that I know that I could be support, supported and encouraged in that, that I could be called out on it as well, but that I also can do the same for them as well. So as you take those emblems this morning, remember the sacrifice that was made for you and for me, but remember your part, and what does it look like to be a part of the local church? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity we have uh, to come and to hear your word, uh, to be challenged, and to then see how we're going to respond. So, Father, this morning, let us see this difference between attendance and engagement. Let us take a personal assessment in our walk with you where we're at currently in this season that we're in and see where it is that you're calling us to take that next step in our relationship with you. If it says what Adam talked about a few weeks ago and diving into your word, reflecting on scripture and learning more about who you are. As Rich talked about last week of using our gifts and serving in the church and being a part of that uh, locally or outside of it as well. Or just even our attendance. Is that our attendance, have we moved from attendance to engagement? And what can that look like once we begin to engage in the mission that you have for your local church? We thank you and we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.